Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, the best in new inventory with great warranties. Fabulous pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors Guarantee and a great service department that backs it all up every step of the way. Fabulous technicians, pros, pros, all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Let's go over now to the suggestion box. And find out what is bothering the populace today. Yeah, suggestion to ESPN and any other Major League Baseball outlet that thinks the Astros are now the team to beat or at least bringing up the topic. Stop. Get a life. Watch baseball for once. Just because they got Justin Verlander yesterday does not mean they're automatically going to be the favorite anymore. If you've been watching all season long, Justin Verlander's not the same guy. He's still a very good pitcher, but he's not as good as last year. Last four starts, his ERA's under two. Maybe he's starting to hit at the right right time. He might be. But to this point, he has really not been that good, to be quite frank with you. Now, if he turns it around now and maybe it does better in the playoffs, okay, fine. I'll I'll eat crow then. But for right up to this point, Justin Verlander hasn't been that good. And the Astros haven't been that good. So I don't think the addition of a so-so pitcher, even though he's led them to World Series championships and appearances in the past, automatically just makes them the team to beat. So please, spare me. Well, and this Astros has nothing to do with Astros' hate and what happened in 2017. This is me objectively looking at this. Justin Verlander has not been that good this year. The Astros have struggled this year in many different facets. And just because they get him back yesterday and because they throw a no-hitter yesterday doesn't mean they're automatically all of a sudden the favorite. Stop it. Well, first of all, they're only a half game out of first place. Right? Well, they aren't that far off. Um, and that's... I'm just saying, they aren't as far off as you think they are. They are... Um, they're half game out. So what you end up with is you end up with... Shears are going to Texas. They're a half game up. And the Astros, a half game back, pick up Verlander. It's another big arm to go in a rotation. And obviously, Valdez threw the no-hitter last night, and that was about as efficient a no-hitter as you're going to see. He threw 93 pitches. How about that? Through 93 pitches. 
So let's look at Verlander, his last six starts from July 1st. He has a 1.69 ERA, man. I get it. He's been better lately, but till to this point, until he started better pitching better, he hasn't been great. But that's a month. Okay. In fact, his last what one, two, three, four, five, seven starts starting on June twenty sixth. Okay. No runs, five hits. Struck out five, walked two. Okay. No earned runs, five hits, seven innings. Struck out six, walked one. San Diego, six innings, uh, gave up two earned runs, struck out two, walked three. Dodgers, five innings, two hits, okay, struck out six. White Sox, eight innings, three hits, one run, struck out seven, walked one. Yankees, even in mid-season, I didn't even have to try hard against this group. Six innings, two hits, no runs. Struck out six. Last time out, Washington, five and a third, five hits, one run. Struck out five, walked one. What do you want the guy to do? His last seven starts, he's given up, what, 15, 17, 20, 27 hits. He's given up 27 hits in his last seven starts. Let's see. Strikeouts to walks. Let's see. 11, 11, 5, 18, 6, 24, 12, 26, 15, 32, 16, yeah, 37 and 18. So it's like 2 to 1. Well, he's given up 27 hits. He's given up 7 earned runs in his last 7 starts. Looks to me like he's doing all right. Am I missing something here? Not in not in this last month. You're you're right about that. But I'm just, I'm pointing still. I'm looking at the season completely. Maybe he's pitching at the right, better at the right time now, and that continues. Yeah, but, but I prior mean, to is... these last four starts, he was giving up four, five, sometimes six. He had two starts in May that he gave up six earned runs. He had two starts mm-hmm. in June where he gave up four earned runs, and in yeah yeah before that I mean, point. So I mean, but this is like. Since June 20th, the start where he gave up four runs on eight hits, seven innings against the Astros. Since that start on June 20th, which is a long time ago, his ERA, it's it's actually lower than 169 because that's the last six starts. I mean, it's like 146. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's a pretty good ad. I'd take my chances with him. I mean, I, you know. 
All I'm saying is let's just see how the rest of this regular season plays out. At least the at least this rest of the month of August before we get into September, before we start making these assumptions about the Astros. That's all I'm well, saying. Everybody, but they, we're in a business where everybody makes assumptions all the time. Well, I, and I know. I've, yeah. And I and I frustrate people because I usually don't. How about that? I usually stay away from that. You know, and today's the start of Penn State football training camp, and, you know, a lot of people are making assumptions about the football team, and I think that people, I mean, I think it's awesome. They're excited about it. I think it's awesome. Um, but at the same time, I just kind of take it a day at a time, and I know that frustrates the heck out of you that I do that. <laughs> All right, do we have Alex? Uh, I am going to get him in a second here. Well, then get him in a second here. There you go. Get Alex. So, we can take a quick break if you want. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with Alex Kazor from Steelers Camp on News Radio 1070, WK, okay? Hey, we're going to go to a Steelers training camp. Alex Kazora joins us. Alex, how are you? Hey, Steve, I'm doing well. How about yourself? Very quickly, in college, did Matt rant a lot? <laughs> uh, yes. Is the is the sky blue? I mean, that was Kitcherlo 24 <laughs> seven. Okay. Uh, last year with Kenny Pickett, they pretty much kept it safe. Uh, you know, a lot of underneath stuff and so forth. Um, and, you know, it paid off in terms of, inter- especially the last seven games, interceptions to TD passes. Have you seen more of a uh, hint of deep ball packages from the Steelers in the preseason because now he does have a year under his belt? I have, and I think that was evident. It was no coincidence. The very first play of camp last Thursday was a deep ball to George Pickens. Now, it was incomplete, broken up by Patrick Peterson, but I think Pittsburgh knows they have to create explosive plays. They're not a team that can go on that 12-play methodical drive the entire time. That's just not sustainable. The NFL is about chunk plays, splash plays, the ones that change the momentum and the feeling of a game. So while Pittsburgh is still going to want to be ball control, not going to air it out like those other teams, but I think they're going to take some more vertical shots, and that's pretty evident so far in training camp. Uh, having Harris is going to help. How, you know, what's his health right now, and what can he mean to what Pickett wants to do? With, with Najee Harris, yeah, he's healthy. He's good yeah. to go. Um, you know, this time last year he hurt his toe, and that certainly hampered him throughout the first half of yeah. the season. And then he got healthy the back half, and you saw him and the offense certainly uh, tick up. So Pittsburgh is not hidden who they want to be. While there are going to be some more vertical shots and that uh, emphasis on some big plays, they want to be a team that runs the ball effectively, that plays ball control, wins on third down, stays on schedule, keeps the opposing offense off the field. They want to be the 49ers of the East. They want to be, you know, uh, scheme creative. They want to be able to package and, and pair plays well. They want to play great defense with a strong front seven, run the ball, and win 17-14 as opposed to 34-30. Uh, Pickens was able to get a, a catch over Joey Porter Jr. in a, a contested play earlier in the week. What have you thought of Joey so far? I think he's been good. That play aside, and George Pickens is just not from this world, so it's hard to knock Porter too much for that. But I think what I like about Porter, even the reaction from that moment, you know, they asked Porter uh, after that, after practice,
practice yesterday. You know, your thoughts for that moment. And he wasn't mad about it. He embraced the competition. Two guys that are really freaky talents, Porter and Pickens, making each other better. That'll make the Pittsburgh Steelers better. But I think he's been a really hard worker. He's worked on his hands during every down moment during practice. Jokes machine, catching passes from coaches. He's been fluid. He's shown his long speed. He's shown the ability to close on slants. He's really defended the full route tree well. He's a really level-headed kid that's been professional and working extremely hard. Those are all positive signs. He's going to play early, and he's going to play a lot for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. Uh, so what about Patrick Peterson now? Is he a corner in your mind? Does he transition to safety here at some point? Where does he fit, especially with his experience level? I would say C. He's all the above. I think Pittsburgh wants to use him in a pretty hyper-versatile role. I think he'll be a base outside cornerback, but I think he's going to kick inside the slot in obvious passing situations, and he's going to rotate and play some safety as well. He's played all those spots so far in training camp, outside corner slot and some actual safety. So it's going to be a little bit harder to define his role, but I think they want to use his versatility, his playmaking, his instincts, and frankly, he's lost some of the long speed. He's 33 years old. He can't Mm -hmm. turn and run on the outside uh, like he used to, George Pickens burned him yesterday in 1v1. So he's a guy that's going to probably have to play inside in some more obvious pass situations and lean on his instinct and instincts and, and football IQ to make some plays from different areas of the field. Uh, have you seen Patrick Peterson, the veteran, as a teacher? And have you seen Allen Robinson, the veteran, as a teacher? Yeah, I would say yes to both. I know that Allen Robinson is roommates with George Pickens, and that is not by mistake for Mike Tomlin. That's a guy that he can take under his wing. Pickens a second-year guy, and Robinson can tutor and mentor him. And I think Peterson has been a really good kind of wise old man presence in this young Steelers defensive backroom with Joey Porter Jr. and Corey Trice Jr., although Trice went down with a knee injury yesterday, which looks to be pretty concerning. But, yeah, I think they're two calming and veteran influences and really important pieces intangibly on the Steelers roster. I always feel like there's a couple of injuries. One's an Achilles and one is a knee. Where the first year back from it, you are functional and can get things done, but the second year back is when you start to regain everything and really take off. Pickens is coming off the ACL, and he he was good last year, functional. Are you seeing a more explosive guy this year now that he's about a year and a half to two years removed from that ACL? I don't know if I would say a more explosive receiver, Steve. Here's what I like about George Pickens in year two. I think he's doing more. He's not just the vertical go-deep guy, although he very much can be that guy, as everyone saw with that crazy catch he had yesterday. George Pickens can do the exciting, the big play, as well as any receiver in football. His mission this year is to do the boring, to be versatile, a line in the slot, be able to motion around, to be able to run the full route tree, run the 10-yard curl, the 15-yard dig, those kinds of things. I'm seeing more of that from him in your number two, so he can become a really complete receiver, and so DBs can't just sit on the vertical game and expect him to run deep. So I, I know it's not as flashy as the crazy one-handed catches that he makes so routinely, yeah, sure. but I think him doing the boring is actually going to elevate his career. What do you think of Kenny Pickett so far? I think he's looked comfortable and confident. I'm not going to say it's been amazing. It's certainly not been terrible. There's been some ups and downs still working, I think, on some of the short intermediate accuracy and ball placement, but it's his team, and he's certainly taken ownership of that. There's no quarterback competition, no battle. This is Kenny Pickett's team, and he's leading accordingly. It's still a young offense overall. So I think he's done a nice job, uh, but there's still a ways to go. What have you thought of the front seven to this point on defense? 
really strong. The edge rushers have probably been the best collective group so far in training camp. T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith, even younger guys like Nick Herbig, the fourth-round pick from uh, Wisconsin. He's been really, really good off the edge. He's running a lot from T.J. Watt. He's kind of a mini-me to T.J. Watt right now. Uh, that, that pass rush should be strong. Should Watt stay healthy? Interior D-line, Cam Hayward, Larry Okunjobi. Um, it should be the strength and the anchor of not only this defense, but of the Steelers team. Herbig, I really liked it, Wisconsin. Really I mean, Alex, I liked him a lot. I thought it was a good fourth-round pick. I mean, he'll make the team. He'll actually help them in a lot of ways. Is this a team that will rely more on sub-packages based on their linebacking core? Yeah, I would say so. I think we're kind of in a sub-package role just globally. You know, you're facing some of these top passing offenses and all these great receivers and big athletic tight ends. You're going to have to play in sub-package football. So certainly Pittsburgh has really overturned their inside linebacker room. I mean, they've totally revamped it, even adding recently Quan Alexander. Cole Holcomb, their, their big kind of free agent acquisition at that position, has had a nice camp so far. He's covered. He should be, be a three-down guy. But I think we're still learning more about the divisional labor at inside linebacker because there just frankly are so many new pieces at that, at that position group for this team. What would you like to see over the next couple of weeks? Well, hey, everyone stay healthy. That's always the best thing. Best ability yeah, so. is uh, availability, so that's for sure. Um, I, I just want to see the continued growth of a young offense and guys, you know, be able to gel and take that second-year jump, whether it's Kenny Pickett or George Pickens or a guy like uh, Jalen Warren, who should get you know time behind Najee Harris, um, and I think for the defense, for the defense, just more communication. There have been some coverage busts so far. We got some veteran guys that they've added, but there's some new pieces, and so you're kind of working through the growing pains of new pieces that important areas of communication: inside linebackers, slot corner, strong safety. So the defense just coming together, the offense taking that step. That's what I'm looking for. Alex, I know practice is about to start. I will let you go. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate it. Take care. Alex Cazorra, who I thought the most important question was the first question. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's about what I expected for him to say. There seems to be a pattern. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I didn't notice. <laughs> you know, I've received several text messages and emails from the audience after that question. They were surprised by the end. No. <laughs> this is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, Sports Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia. Roots 11 and 15, almost Wharf Online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, the best in new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Fabulous service department that backs it all up with great technicians. All at Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia. Roots 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. That can't be the only thing you're upset about. (laughs) Believe it or not, that is as of right now. Really? But the day is still young. The afternoon is still young. You know, feel better. I mean, the Yankees got three more hits than the uh, Guardians did last night, so that's good. 
Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. Um, I think the fat lady's beginning to warm up, if you know what I mean, I'm on the Yankee season. If she hasn't begun already. Hey, look, they've, they've got Judge back. It's all turned around. They're one and four. All right, so... Um, no, senor! No, senor! No, senor! I mean, they're one and four since he got back. Yikes. Okay. That aside. Uh... The trade deadline came and went. Yes, Verlander got moved. I mean, there were some moves made. Scherzer got moved, so forth. This was not an earth-shattering trade deadline. A lot of people ended up standing pat. Uh, I'll say this. The Orioles suddenly picked up a big piece, and that's Flaherty. I mean, let's, let's give some credit. I mean, credit's due. I mean, they got Flaherty from the Cardinals. That was significant. And the Orioles continued to do significant things, and they're a fun team to watch. And right now are well-positioned. So today is, of course, the first day of football practice. And, uh, you know, the media will get to see the first, not the first 10, 10, 15 minutes, maybe the first, like, 15, 10 to 15 minutes of the first 30 minutes of practice. Then they'll actually be able to get in there for a little bit on Sunday as well. Um... What's exciting about this team is they have they have they have big playmakers. There's no question about it. Singleton, Allen, Abdul Carter, you know, Kalen King. I mean, they have some big play guys. There's Chop, Deny Dennis Sutton. You know, you can go through the list of playmakers that they have. They have a lot of them on both sides of the ball. But a big part to me in looking at the team is the depth. That's the area where I feel like James Franklin has improved Penn State's lot in life on the football field the most is the quality and the athleticism of the depth. It came into play last year down the stretch when you look at the Rose Bowl. So let's take the Rose Bowl, for example. Olu Fashionu could not play in the game. Landon Tangwell could not play in the game. Parker Washington could not play in the game. So right there, that is three of your 11 starters that you were relying on in September, October. And then with Olu and with Parker, they were still playing... uh, through October, and Parker played into November and didn't have them for the Rose Bowl. So the stretch run, you did not have those three guys, nor did you have them in the bowl game. In the bowl game, because of the depth, they did well. Drew Shelton, for example, stepped in at that left tackle spot, and they wanted to redshirt Drew last year. And 
They couldn't afford to. He had to play. Yeah, Hunter Norzad had to play at that guard spot. Now he's going to move over to center with Tangwall back. And then, of course, at wide receiver, you had some guys step up. Now it really helped they had Tinsley. Tinsley has since been replaced by Dante Cephas. You're going to like Cephas. Uh, Cephas is not a take-the-top-off guy, but he is the kind of guy that runs precise routes, and he wants the football more than you do. He'll fight you for it. He'll get the ball at the high point. I think fans are going to like Dante Cephas a lot. To go with Trey Wallace, Keandre Lambert-Smith, Amari Evans, Caden Saunders. He started adding in Liam Clifford, Malik Mega, Malik McLean, Anthony Ivey, Johnson. I mean, there'll, there'll be some guys in that mix there that'll be very interesting. And the key for most of them will be the guys that are playing up top are already the guys that have established the consistency. The guys that will work their way into the rotation will be the ones that then will become consistent players. And that's what they're going to need, without question. And, you know, That's how the jobs are going to be won, who can be the most consistent of the group. All right, we'll take a break. Back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. And back here on the Steve Jones Show, Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve is there in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Thanks to... Everybody wants to know what you're complaining about next. (laughs) I still got nothing. I've been looking around to see what's out there, but so far, uh, just the one thing to start the show. That's it. Well, I was going through with uh, with Penn State football. It's the depth that is the the big, big part of this. And you know, you it's very difficult to, to negotiate an entire season and have the same team that you started with. And. I've always said one of the keys to a good training camp is can you get through the first two and a half weeks and have the same people you started with? That's always important. And so it begins today, and now we're going to find out because you really, you're not going to get better unless you're out there. You're just not. As a team and as and as an individual, you're just not. And when you look at the four defensive ends like Sutton, Chop, Adisa Isaac, Amin Vanover, they wouldn't heard of a fifth guy emerge there just to have him there. I think they've got as many as six defensive tackles they can play. I think adding Alonzo Ford helped, but they got you know Nakeem Beeman, a Durant. Uh, to go with, I mean, the, the unquestioned leader to me is Devon Ellis. Uh, both emotionally, physically. Uh, you know, Kazai Izzard coming back. 
adds to that depth, Jordan Vandenberg. I mean, I just, I just rattle off six names there. I think it'll all play. And you're going to be, in, as we mentioned with Alex, a lot of sub-packages. Well, Penn State has versatility with its sub-packages. I'm going to be interested to see there are people that are the known entities. That's why when I look at starters, I don't look at 11. I look at the 11 that open the game. All right. But there's Penn State has as many as, I don't know, 14 more guys that can play on defense. And I look at all of them in my mind as starters because there'll be a point in the second quarter where they have mixed all these guys, and there'll be points at like the end of the third quarter, critical part of the game where other guys are in. That's why I look at them as as starters in their own way. But when I look at K.J. Winston, Zaki Wheatley, Reed, Ellis, those safeties, Mackay Flowers, but I'm, also, I'm interested to see what Dakari Nelson does. I'm interested to see what King Mack does. I'm interested to see what Elliot Washington does. I'm interested to see what Lamont Payne does. Tony Rojas, Tamir Robinson, the the, the uh, Kavion Keys, the kid from Virginia. Here's to see how some of those guys, whether they can push their way in someplace and be a part of this. That'll be important. The offensive line's a little more difficult for guys like Williams and Birchmeyer. Uh, it's more difficult to do that. Doesn't mean they can't. So that's something I'll watch with them. Is how much better are they? Now, than when I saw them in the spring, where you saw that they have really good physical traits, but they've got a ways to go. And sometimes you can close that gap. I want to see if they've how much of the gap they've closed, because they're obviously talented. But how much of a gap have they closed? A Vega Yoane, a J.B. Nelson. Both of them have come on. And then what do you want to do with Drew Shelton? you got Caden Wallace there. Everything is a competition. You're, you're competing every day. That's why when James was asked about Allery, he says, look, he says, they said, this is the first time you really had a quarterback competition in years. He goes, no, we have competition every year. And if you're not promoting competition in your room and you have people assuming that they have jobs, I'm not. I don't know if you are getting the best out of them. Now, there's some people that do perform well when there's a comfort level to it. But I do. I will give you that. No question. I will give you that. But the um, so you want to make sure, like for example, all right. There is a luxury that the great fans have where they can make assumptions, they can look at the full breadth of the season, think about what a record is, because that's part of the fun of being a sports fan. And we were talking about the Astros in the first half hour, and... Matt's saying, hey, you know, they're saying they're the favorite. Come on. 
I think that was the exact quote, wasn't it? Close enough. Yeah. But that's the glory of fandom, where you can do something like that. That is the glory of even in media, where you can do something like that. But if you're a coach, and I've kind of taken this mantle on as a broadcaster because I've been around it every day, for a long time you get to start thinking the way they think and why they think that way. If you're the coach, you can't assume your starter. Okay, The players tell you who the starter is. The players tell you who should be playing and who should not be playing. And you allow them organically through performance to confirm what people are assuming or make you rethink what you're saying. Now, let's face it, nine times out of ten, what the assumption is on personnel going in by the fans, the media, and so forth, it's probably pretty close. But it's that one time out of ten where you sit back and go, okay, that one time out of ten where somebody else just tells everybody no in certain terms, I should be the guy. Okay. And I've, I've used the example a couple of times already, but I'll... I'll Reuse it. When Jordan Vandenberg came in, he comes in, he's on the scout team, but keeps competing every day. And suddenly in October, James tells everybody, he says, You know what? The guy that we're looking at every day is Vandenberg. He's got a chance to move himself from the scout team group, you know, the developmental group, up to the travel group. And about a week later, he did. Then he ended up playing in the bowl game. So they're watching every day to see if there's somebody that should be there or conversely somebody who should be with the developmental group and to make sure who should be starting and who should not be. It's every day there's that competition. That's their job to figure that out. So I know it's easy to poo-poo, like, for example, you know, there's a quarterback competition, Drew and Bo. Oh, it's Drew. Come on. Right? And I completely understand why fans would say that, think that, why people covering the team would. But you let them, over the next two and a half weeks, let them prove who should be the one starting. It may prove out to be exactly what all the assumptions are. Or maybe different conclusions are drawn just based on performance. Just let it happen. And that's part of the job of letting it happen. By letting it happen, Dom DeLuca moved himself up last year into a second-team linebacking spot and showed everybody he could play at this level. Okay. Good. And that's what the competition part's all about. And this is where depth comes into play. So let's go back to Drew Shelton for a moment. It's going to be interesting with him because you do have 
Caden Wallace, a veteran there, and of course I'll lose on the other side. Okay. So what do you want to do with him? Now remember, the rules have changed again this year, and the rules have changed for the better. Where the four games you're allowed to play before your red shirt is endangered is four. Well, it used to include the bowl game. It no longer includes the bowl game. That's good. All right? That's really good. So do you sit there and um, and say, okay, hey, you're going to play. Here we go. And let's have some fun. All right? Or do you sit there and say, you know what? If we could get away with it, do we use the red shirt this year so we still have three years of eligibility remaining with him? I think it's going to be an interesting you know, if everybody's healthy, it's going to be an interesting decision, I think, that the coaching staff would have to make when it comes to somebody like him. If you're living in a perfect world. No. No. Thought uh, you know those are just a few things. Now the kicking, I want to bring up the kicking game too. Kicking game is going to be something that is um, going to be an interesting part. I feel confident in what I see in Tyler Jazanski. I don't think there's an issue in my mind with him being the snapper at all. All right, um, but. What about the kicking part of it? I think it's going to be a competition between Sandra Sahadik and Alex Falcons, the transfer from Columbia. And when I mean the transfer from Columbia, I mean from the Ivy League Columbia, not from Bogota. <laughs> All right. Next is then the punting part of it. Alex Paquetta. Riley Thompson, Gabe Wosu, and then who wins the kickoff part of it? I mean, when I look, for example, at the um, at the returners, I mean, guys like Caden Saunders and so forth are guys that, you know, same thing with kickoff. They've got guys that can return. Um, And I think that'll be something that, that, you know, they're going to chart everything. They will chart everything. And we will see how that plays out. That's going to be a real competition that happens there as to who emerges to take the kicking spots, kickoff, placements, punts, so forth. So interesting two and a half to three weeks coming up. After that, after that two and a half to three weeks, most of it settles in
There you go. Any questions on your part, Matt? Ah, oh, the music. I'm sorry. That 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 kills it. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I'll say is I'm very intrigued about Tony Rojas after all the weight he put on, and he had a good spring. Yeah. I'm I'm right. I'm. That's my number one guy. I'm looking at. Well, again, you've got Carter, Jacobs, two guys that are three down linebackers, and then you've got King and and Elsden. But Robinson and Rojas, I think, will be fighting to be in that six-man group. They'll be fighting for it. What to do with the Pac-12? I did uh, text Tony Knopp today. I said, maybe we should talk about the Pac-9. Or is it 8? Or is it 7? And then dot, dot, dot. 